Thank you for tuning in today on Voyage Through the Bible with Billy G. Nolan, where his heart is to fortify and strengthen your relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We hope you enjoy this mini teaching, and if you need prayer, if you would like more information, or you simply want to join us as we voyage through the Bible, go to www.voyagethroughthebible.org. Voyage Through the Bible, we're on a car ferry. We're on a car ferry between the Upper Peninsula and Lower Peninsula of Michigan. We're on the Straits of Mackinac, way before the bridge was built. The time was between 1920 and 1940. Of course, you know, in the winter, it was very difficult for the ferry to operate, and many times they just shut down. The area between the Upper Peninsula and Lower Peninsula was extremely wide and stormy, and weather could become quite bad. The Upper Peninsula is affected by lake effect in every direction. So the depths of the winter snows can be quite amazing. There's a culture of mixed people living in the Upper Peninsula. There's many people who've homogenized, who have grown together to form the culture of the Upper Peninsula. It's late fall, it's very cold, it's below freezing on the car ferry. We're in the middle of the Straits and a blinding snowstorm comes about. Can't see, the foghorns go off, blaring very loudly. What to do? Wait out the snow. And suddenly they go past it and they're at shore and the cars are leaving the car ferry and everything is well. Voyage through the Bible. It's a survey of the story of rescue of wrecked humanity. We are the part of this botched humanity who are slaveries to sin to the point that we need rescue and deliverance through Jesus Christ. The quest of this overview is to explain to a doubting heart what a new heart looks like and that we can truly have new beginnings. There's many aspects to God's dealing with the human race, the past, the present, and the future. We'll be looking at the empowering power of God to save the worst and the least throughout this survey. This is my story, my own personal observation of mourning and sorrow and grieving. My wife's name was Rochelle Sharon Walsh Nolan. On November the 2nd, 2019, my wife went to be with the Lord. She was sick. She had operations. Over a period of time, I learned the great art of taking care of her. We would sit in the, she would sit in the bed propped up with pillows watching television. But I couldn't do that because it would break my poor back. So I'd sit in another room. But at a point, maybe every half an hour, 
I would come into the room and I'd ask her, do you want tea? You want toast and jam? What would you like? Then we would stop in the middle of this and we would pray, we'd visit, we'd talk. That was the routine we had. My wife had a prophetic gift. She counseled many women. At the time she went to be with the Lord, there were testimonies from at least 40 women who she had gifted them with something in their life. So for a period of time, my wife's health deteriorated. We made a decision that we would read verses dealing with divine healing and take a picture of her in, at church with her condition completely well. We continued doing this for at least a year. We were settled that the Lord was going to heal her and deliver her. The doctor who was supposed to give her treatments decided after further tests and examination that no treatments could be done. She was hopeless. She was handed over to a life doctor whose job was just to make things easy and very comfortable for her so she could die in peace. During this time, there was just a few people who really knew it. We didn't see the need to explain this to a vast amount of people. We listened to television, radio, and records dealing with healings. We were focused on divine healing. The doctor said hopeless, and we had hope in the word of God resting in us. Six days before she went to the Lord, she started having experiences severe pain. We went to the hospital and they did a couple of procedures, very minor, made her very comfortable. The pain subsided and she didn't have any pain until she went to be with the Lord. Early in, our, in her life, she had asked the Lord, when it's time for me to go, being transferred from this life to the great life beyond, I would rather not have pain. My son and my daughter were believing for even greater things than I was at that time. One day, she was sitting on the side of the bed this was over the six-day period. She said, come near me. Then she took me by the hand and said, I love you deeply. Remember that. People are coming in and going, friends and people that understood that she was in the hospital but really didn't understand much more. They didn't really know the depths of what was going on. One day when I was not there, my son and his wife, they're Nigerian. The pastor and his wife, my daughter, and a bishop named Kingsley from Nigeria was on the phone at that moment. And my wife was challenging them to teach healing in some of the greatest ways they could ever see to do. She was preaching a message 
of deliverance and God's greatness and healing while she was sitting in bed with all of these people watching. I really believed at that point she would be in church the next Sunday giving glory to God, helping people with their needs as they were. The doctors released her, but not released her to go home, but released her to hospice. I felt that it didn't have anything to do with her getting well, so I consented. The pastor's wife considered her her spiritual mother at that time and came into hospice and couldn't say a word, but would hold her hand for a period of time. First day my wife was there, my grandson and his wife and their two boys came in, and they set my wife in a chair, and she explained in detail what they were going to do at Christmas. After she went to be with the Lord, I fulfilled these things that she had said about Christmas to the whole family. They had the privilege of being some of the few grandchildren and great-grandchildren to see her in that condition. One night, one of the granddaughters was in the room spending the night sleeping with my wife, and this is her account. Spirit of God came in mightily in the room. The testimony of my granddaughter, remember. Spirit of God left and my wife left with him, with the Holy Ghost. Immediately, me and my daughter was at my house and we came back. We practiced cremation, so there had to be preparations made. We had to give our loving goodbyes. I don't have much memory for the next four days. I have intermittent slight memories, but none worth talking about for the next four days. I must have eaten and drank, answered questions, but I don't remember much of anything. For some reason, I did an odd thing facing my wife for the last time before I go to be the Lord in the Lord's presence myself. I took a figurative box from her. Nobody could see it but me. I wrapped it. I put a bow on it. The box was her callings and ministry, her high-quality character points. And I thought that in the future, this would be something I could give to someone. They could, by faith, take it on and continue her callings in their own ministry and calling at that time. With all the preparations done, I went home. And I can tell you, out of sheer exhaustion, I went to sleep that night. Let's backtrack three months. I felt she needed to go to this meeting. I encouraged her to go. So I helped her get ready and someone picked her up. She was sitting in the back 
and the pastor's wife in control of the meeting came back and takes her by hand and says, you must come to the front. The pastor's wife told the people at the meeting, the women, that my wife was a woman of God and that what she was about to do was going to make your lives change and she used the word forever. My wife prayed for over a hundred women that night. Afterwards, the report started to trickle back that many of the people that were received prayer had their lives changed in some way. My wife had a spiritual ministry. Another story that you should know, she was with a woman who was depressed. This woman would come into church and sit at the back of the church. She would be horrified at the depression and anxiety she was under. My wife would sit in the table in the lobby with two cups of coffee one for her and one for the woman filled with anxiety. They would sit, they would talk, they would sip coffee. And at some point, my wife would say, you can go into church now, everything is going to be all right. My wife did this for several weeks, and the woman was delivered completely from anxiety. One more story. It was spring. It was a nice day. A woman was walking into church. This woman was five months pregnant and still in the parking lot. My wife walked up to her and laid hands on her stomach and told her to go home, go to bed, and don't get up until you have the baby. That put her into a situation where she went to her doctor the next day. The doctor said, go home, go to bed, don't get up until you have the baby exact same words. It turned out that this woman felt my wife had saved her life. Remember, four days had passed. My memories are not quite all there. There was a moment in the day after her death that I remember because it was most unusual, where my Nigerian son and daughter-in-law and a business partner and his wife, he's from Ivory Coast, both of them strong men of God, without invitation, converged on my house. They sat there talking gently to me, telling me how great my wife was, and I just had to agree. Other people came in about the same time doing the same thing. I wanted to tell people to stop bringing food because I just thought there was way too much. The next main event shortly after was a celebration of Sharon's life at the church. During this time, I didn't really want to see anybody. I was in a state of grief and mourning. I didn't know what to do with myself. For my own protection, they took my wife's clothes and gave them to people who had need, so I felt comfortable with that. But all through my house, I saw my wife, pictures, furniture, dishes. To this day, I still see my wife in the house in a very full way. Now reality began to set in. I stated to myself, 
what is mourning and sorrow and how should I live with it? I begin to check up on myself. I begin to pray about it. After all, I could live with shame and guilt. I could live blaming God. I could even blame my own naivety. But I came to a conclusion that I had no shame as I had cared for her well and no guilt for the same reason. I couldn't blame God because I didn't know what he thought. I only know my own thoughts. And it says in the Bible that his thoughts are greater than my thoughts anyway. Something was happening. My daughter came to me and said probably the last thing my wife had said. I hardly knew what to think of it, but she had said, Billy, I met with the Lord last night and everything is fine. I'm going to be well, was her statement. I didn't know how to take that. So talking to my daughter, so I'm going through the process and I'm recognizing there's a low road and a high road of grieving, of mourning. Afterward, my daughter and son and I decided that we would take the high road of mourning and grieving. We chose to remember all the good times we had and all the unusual quirks that my family had surrounding my wife. We laughed a lot. After everything was settled, I looked out into the patio one snowy day and I said, you like it when the snow falls, but you hate it when it hits the ground. And I looked around and she wasn't there and I began to laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. I laughed at myself and how much she liked the snow. She hated it when it fell. Backing up, my wife was in a coma and the grandchildren are, are showing up, the good, the less, and the lesser. People who wouldn't show up unless there was this kind of need were there. I kept meeting their needs. They were all at hospice. They were saying goodbye, and I didn't know what to say to all of these at that time. I've hoped this will assist somebody with their sorrow and grieving in the long run. Now I have a responsibility to others who are in a state of grieving because I have seen the high road. I made a decision at her birthday to have a posthumous birthday party. She had been with the Lord for four months at that point. Is it what my house, there was cake and food. And I said no gifts, so people brought more food. And there were 90 to 100 people circulating through my house. Some came weeping, some came full of joy. I felt a great honor to honor my wife this way. There was one couple that came and stayed a long time. My daughter kept smiling at them. At that point, I had recovered and could understand what people were saying and thinking because I had decided to mourn on the high road. My daughter said, 
watched that couple. The wife got a phone call, and some of the kids needed to be picked up. So she began to talk to her husband, and he said, yeah, 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 uh-huh, uh-huh. Seemed to ignore her. And she said it again a little while later. And again, he went, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then she called him by name in a loud voice. And he said, oh, did you say something? And my daughter said, if you and mom were that age, that would be exactly like you. And we all kind of laughed. It was a time of joy in this representation. So the church had a celebration party. I can't remember when it was, but because of my wife ministering there, there were 250 people there. There were at least 60 or 70 relatives, and the rest were people we had just known. Pastor got up to introduce me. I got up and said, I have a strange request. I have a box here. You can't see it, but it's wrapped, and it has a bow on it, and, and it's my wife's ministry and callings and her quality points and any woman that want could, can stand up and raise her hands, and you can have her ministry now. And many raised their hands, and I threw it as a symbol of the transferal of her gifting to other people. There were food. It was a great time. The pastor's wife got up and spoke. There were altar call, and there were many people who raised their hands. It was a very spiritual breakthrough moment for me. My Nigerian son was asked to pray. He stood up and cried instead of for a long period of time, and then he prayed. It was the one, one of the most emotional moments I think of in the whole day. I went home feeling that God's grace was being meted out even in many up, upgrades of sorrow and grief that can be had. I was on the high road. I had not driven myself into despair. I am somewhat of a scholarly quality in me, so I don't mind being alone, me and my books. But I know loneliness can be a great detriment to those who are sorrowing and mourning. I'd like to recommend that you get busy. Find things to do to offset your loneliness. Serving others, helping the Lord to lighten your own load while you're serving others. Serve others becomes a very important to me and still is. So I continue on. So then a little later, we have a boat trip. I told my friend I needed a boat and wanted to celebrate my wife, probably one of the last public times. So he found a boat, had 180 people could be on it. We got a caterer for lunch, and I made arrangements to take my wife's ashes that had been with me all that time and have them set 
into the place and put into the lake. She wanted to be buried in Lake Michigan. Hundred people showed up. The sun was shining. It was a grand day. We went on a two-hour cruise. My wife loved daisies, so I got several dozen. And we had food, conversation, worship, and somebody spoke. And as I'm pretty old, I had one of my children launch the ashes for me. People took pictures. It was an uplifting day. It wasn't a funeral. It was just a celebration of a great woman going home. Everyone that wanted to could throw daisies into the water as a memorial to their own participation in the day. My wife loved the sand, and I love, and she loved to sit in the sand. I hated the sand, but I loved Lake Michigan. So she had sat in the sand, and I'd sit in the shade, but our hearts were knitted together, even though we sat apart. Going forward now, I'm still on the high road of mourning. Every once in a while, my eyes puddle up. I don't cry, but my eyes moisten, and I look away and begin to talk like she's in the room. I feel the comfort of the Lord flowing over me. I don't have grief like the heathen. I don't beat my chest. I don't cry in despair. My heart is filled with the greatness of God. After all, we live as men, man and wife for 63 years, and I knew her for 65. I want you each one to know that there's a great peace for those who have, have mourning. Everyone that listens to this story can have what I've got. It's God's gift to each one of you who mourn. They hand, hand your mourning to the Lord. Pick up your life and take up the high road of mourning. Live your life as fully as you can, serving others in the greatest way that you can right now. I want to end this. I had many confirmations that this is what happened. This is inspired my wife to grab my hand and say, I love you deeply, remember that. I'm meeting with the financial advisor a few weeks after my wife went to be with the Lord. This man is the one few people in this world. I trust what they say without a doubt. He's a very spiritual man. Um, as I said, a man I trust. We're in the middle of signing papers, and he goes in a very loud voice, you know, and I listened. You know what happened. The Lord came to your wife into the room, and he said to her, do you want to go or do you want to stay? The Lord came in all his glory, to ask her what she wanted, and she elected to go. Get a hold of comfort. Let comfort be your guide. Be comforted right now. All you who are in mourning and sorrow over many situations, the comfort of the Lord is reaching out to you right now. 
and I ask in the name of Jesus, receive it. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast from Billy on this episode of Voyage Through the Bible. This journey and its many adventures lead you into the mysteries of creation and man, not only to know the Bible, but to experience it and live it. If you would like to sow into this ministry and be a part of somebody else's journey as they learn about God, please visit our website, www.voyagethroughthebible.org.